Welcome to the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast, where we interview the world's leading CEOs, business executives, entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and authors. Our mission is to learn the strategies and tactics that have helped our guests succeed in business and life and share those lessons with you so that you can become the Bulletproof Entrepreneur. My name is Chia Dogu and I'm the co-founder and COO of Odogu Media Group. Odogu Media Group is a podcast marketing and new media agency that helps corporations create and amplify their story via high-quality branded audio content that builds a community of highly engaged fans who are their ideal clients for their premium products and services. And now, without further ado, on with the show. Hey everyone, welcome to another exciting episode of the Bulletproof Entrepreneurial Podcast. This is my second interview in 2020, and I'm speaking to one of the preeminent marketing masters in the United States. His name is Jeff Fleischman. He's the CMO of Altimetric, a digital transformation accelerator that helps clients deliver great products and services that accelerates financial profitability. He's an advisor to several companies, a public speaker, and a columnist for Forbes.com. He is the author of the personal and professional development book titled Advice to My Younger Self, which is his distillation of wisdom about how he would advise his younger self if he were to think about his career or his personal life. He, in his long career has held leadership roles in Penn Mutual, American Express, TIA Craft, Citibank, and more. I'm pleased to have Jeff on the show today to tell us a little bit more about himself, his business experience, and his career journey, and of course, the advice he will give to his younger self if we were to do it all over again. So with that said, Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you, Chi. That was a very gracious introduction. Um, I think you can be my talent agent. (laughs) Awesome, Jeff. So, Jeff, thanks for coming on to do the interview today. It's really been a pleasure getting to know you. But before we dive deep into the interview, tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background and what got you to where you are today. Sure. So um, it wasn't a straight line. Um, mm. I started out um, as a management in the management development program for Chase Manhattan Bank, which was J.P. Morgan. And uh, through that program, I had been given the opportunity to go through various rotations. And I learned right away that business was complicated. There were a lot of different functions. And what I didn't want to do is stick to one discipline for the rest of my career. So from the program, I left, uh, graduated from the program, had several jobs at uh, J.P. Morgan, American Express, and and a host of companies, some of which you mentioned. And what I was lucky enough to do is be able to be um, given the opportunity to move across businesses and across functional disciplines. Mm. So I was in finance, product management. I was in the mortgage business, the private banking business, the mortgage-backed security business. And, uh, you know, so my career is really a a reflection of many, many job moves. But what I feel coming out of that and looking back on my experience, it's given me an incredibly good, well-rounded perspective on business. And as I take on jobs and I take on responsibility, I'm conversational in almost every part of, of an organization. Mm. Now, Jeff, talking about you moving through different functional disciplines, how were you able to do that where in the world that we live in, you're told you need to specialize, you need to have a major, whether it's finance or marketing, but you seem to move from products development, finance, marketing, 
all around the place. You have a broad perspective of what a company does in every sphere. So you can speak to different um, functions and different strategies and tactics of how to improve a company. But what were some of the things that helped you to navigate as we are moving through those different functions? Yeah, that, that's a great question um, because you can take two paths. You can go straight up a functional area. And then mm -hmm. when you come out the top of that, now you're expected to be an expert across many different disciplines. Mm -hmm. What I felt early on is that if I could learn more about the business itself, two things. One, I figure out what I really want to do. Mm -hmm. But also my hope was to move into the sea level. And as I moved into the sea level, I would be able to contribute and work with uh, various groups whether it be finance, marketing, product development, operations, and be able to bring that discipline and that knowledge to any role I had. So I took that path, the later path. And um, I would say that a couple of things that probably helped, I had some good leaders. Mm -hmm. uh, early on in my career, uh, when I wasn't as, as well experienced as I am now, people, leaders uh, would tap my shoulder and say, Jeff, we have a job for you. So for my first I'd say five to eight years, I was literally tapped to go into new roles, mm. which is fantastic. And I remember in one particular role, I was moving from one business to another business, going from finance to marketing. And I had told the person who wanted to bring me in, a former leader of mine, I have no knowledge about this business and this product. You know, I, and he said to me, just come in and do your magic and everything will be fine. So Leaders having confidence in your ability to move forward mm. is really key. So it's a combination. You know, I talk about this in the book, luck, timing, who you know. Obviously, hard work is table stakes. You know, I, I always kind of laugh because I try to teach my own kids that I always treat life like I'm in the bottom of the ninth inning. And there's two men on, you know, two out. And I'm up at bat. And it's up to me to, to drive the runs in and win the game. So that mentality keeps me motivated um, and keeps me moving forward. So I would say that it's, it's that combination of some drive, some good leaders to help guide you along the way. Mm -hmm. And just my general curiosity around how things are put together and how they fit together kept me always interested in wanting to learn more and try different things. Mm. Now, in learning all this and moving and working with mentors, were you ever at any point curious to say, okay, now that I've gotten this skill set and this, these abilities, um, why don't I go out and start my own company versus trying to keep helping other organizations? Because you've acquired quite an eclectic skill set that you could easily have used to start your own company in whatever um, sphere of the world that you wanted right. to play in. Yeah, it's actually interesting. So, um, Entrepreneurship is really interesting, right? I think of myself as an entrepreneur wrapped in corporate clothing. Mm. And so um, one of the things I did do, and it, it may be hard to tell from my experience, is that I did start a company called Blue Panda Interactive. And so I had just lost a, a job. And you want to talk about, you know, circumstances. We had uh, in, my current, in that current role, I had been doing fantastic. Had a boss hired me in. My first year in the company was fantastic. And I kind of joke, um, I think there's a book by a former Yankee pitcher that says I went from Cy Young to Sayonara. Mm -hmm. So I got a new leader in and um, it wasn't a great fit. And so I said, you know what? I think it's time to start my own company. And I said, either I'm the stupidest person alive or I'm the bravest. And I don't know which, mm -hmm. but I did that for about four years. And I had some good clients. I built some good relationships. 
I wouldn't say it was an easy path to have your own business. And um, I enjoyed it. And it was a challenge, but I was pushed really to utilize all my skills to make that work. And, uh, and I did. So uh, you, you kind of read my mind at that point in my life. I was really thinking about, can I give this a go and try something on my own? And, and I tried it and did it. And it was good. It, it's a challenge. You know, when, when you have your own business and you're sole entrepreneur, the, the, the challenge you have is how do you work business and grow at the same time? Mm-hmm. So, you know, the farming part of, of being your, your own business owner and running your own company is a critical task. And I just didn't have the time to dedicate myself to my projects and then at the same time try to build a business. Now, talk about going back, advice to my younger self. If I could have gone back to that point in time and told that, Jeff, what to do, I probably would have said try to find a partner of a like mind who mm-hmm. can come in and help carry some of the burden. Mm, very interesting that you mentioned that because sometimes, you know, when people say, oh, you know what, we need to go start my own business or launch my own startup. It, it's very exciting to do that, but it does take a lot of work, especially if you're the one doing the business development and also fulfilling the service as well. So I'm glad that you mentioned that, you know, advice to your younger self would be to get a partner, which is great. So that gives us a great segue of going into the book. Now, tell us a little bit more about why you decided to write the book and what was the inspiration or the thing that spurred you to say, hey, you know what, let me put my thoughts together and put it into something that can help other people succeed. Sure. So uh, I'd say about four or five years ago, I met an influencer and she's uh, she, she's mentioned the book, Colleen Lerner. And she said to me, Jeff, after me, you, you have a story to tell you should write a book. And I said, what story do I possibly have to tell that I can turn into a book? And the thought stuck in my mind about the book, but I had always thought about if I could go back like a time machine, you know, I'm kind of a fan of Star Wars and, you know, thinking about time travel and all that. If I could go back and talk to the young Jeff, there's so many things I would tell him and, and, and hopefully avoid some of those very awkward or, or, or moments that made me wince now about what, what I did and mm-hmm. the choices I made. So that was always there. And I wrote a blog. Uh, I was inspired one day to write a blog. It's, and the book started out as a blog, uh, yeah. 25 things I would have told my younger self. And I got some really good feedback and some good reaction. I think that the, the topic, and you know, I have a website, um, www.advicetomyyoungerselfbook.com. And on there, I bring in some videos of Oprah and Richard Branson. Um, you know, everyone is, not everyone, but many, many um, uh, well-known people and personalities have had this thought about what would they tell the younger self, especially mm-hmm. very successful people. What would they tell the younger selves, but also what they, would they tell other people that they can help? So I always had um, a nurturing aspect of what I wanted to do as a leader. I always put pr- took pride in helping my team develop, my team members develop. I've been ranked um, as, a, as a top uh, leader in many companies, and that's a huge source of pride and accomplishment for me, and it's by design. I want mm-hmm. that. And so the book, the list came out, I got the good reactions, and I said, you know what? I think this is gonna be my book. Mm-hmm. And I was motivated to write it, and so I went through uh, the learning process of writing a book, um, and I took the, the blog post, and I converted it in uh, to my book. And what I'd say is that I'm a conscious assimilation of the best attributes 
that I've learned from other leaders. So when you look at Jeff, Jeff's a piece of a lot of different people. Yeah. And what I've done through my career, I've taken and quite selfishly taken what's worked with other leaders and not everything works. And sometimes when, when you're not authentic and you're trying to be something you're not, it could backfire. But I did take, take an approach of if I see something that I can pull out and plug in to me as, as a leader, as a person, I would do that. So I look at myself as a mosaic. The book was meant to help people mm-hmm. and give them some guidance and advice. Um, there are 25 chapters. Not everyone will apply to all people. Mm-hmm. But I think for people who are developing early to mid-career, the book is very useful. And for leaders who some of the advice might not be as appropriate for, they need to remember that they were once on the other side of the table. Mm-hmm. And they need to work on making sure that what they wanted for themselves when they're younger, they should give back. And that's where the book does help leaders who are well-established and have teams. The book could be a reminder that there are things that, uh, as a leader, you need to help instill in your, your, your team to make them a, a stronger uh, in terms of their ability to get stuff done, to grow and mature as leaders themselves and blossom. And mm-hmm. so the book was my way of giving back. And saying thank you to so many great leaders I had, and some not so good leaders that I learned yeah. probably more from my my the bad leaders in my career uh, than the good ones. But the book is is in in some ways a thank you, and you know, I was very pleased the way it came out and the feedback I've gotten. People are finding it helpful and useful. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, I had um, a friend of mine. Their son graduated. is He's, he's working for J.P. Morgan in their training program. And without any knowledge from me, he bought my book and he read it and he told me that he found it very helpful. So it's very gratifying to know I can take my 35 years of experience, condense it down into really what is a very easy to read common sense guide for people. And it's useful. Ah, Cool. Very cool. So now looking at the book, I I don't want us to like delve deep into all of it, but I'll pull out like one or two statements and um, based on my notes here, we'll talk a little bit deeper about them. So in the book, you gave, you know, what, what is classic words of wisdom that anyone can read. It's easy to read, easy to digest, but it's not written in the heavy business book style. It's more like a personal development book. That's, what, that's why I found it a little bit difficult to consi- consider it a, a business book. It was more on the personal development side, but there were also professional lessons you can learn for your career. So I think it stands in both worlds. So now let's talk a little bit more about just a few topics. And I'd like to start off with, of course, the first chapter, which is basically you saying, don't let anyone else define you, that you need to define who you are and what you want and what you want from your career. So in your own words, could you explain a little bit further about that so that people can get a sense of what that means? Sure. So I uh, I wrote the book and the chapters aren't necessarily in any specific order of importance. However, I felt the first chapter was going to be an important one. And uh, don't let anyone define who you are was very important to me because unfortunately, uh, throughout my career, I let people define who I was. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that when you get feedback about what you can and can't do, you just either accept or dismiss it um, off the bat. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to really listen to what people are telling you um, and, and take the advice. And there were times when I got really good advice that told me, Jeff, if this is the path you want to go, this is what you're going to have to do to get there because you're not ready yet. Mm. And so 
you know, that meant maybe learning some new skills, maybe taking a lateral position. Everyone's always interested in moving straight up the, the, the org chart, but sometimes it means taking a lateral position to do something new. Uh, and there are some people who really told me I couldn't do certain things. And yeah. I, I've had a couple of those. Uh, one in particular, I was told when I wanted to make a move into a new area that that wasn't for me. Marketing was not the area I should focus on. Mm. I should focus on operations. And while I loved operations, um, I felt like marketing was the next step for me. And I, 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 I felt that I could handle anything. You throw something at me, I'll figure it out. And it was disappointing. So it, it, it sidetracked me for a while. And eventually, I did make my move into marketing. And here we are. I'm a, I'm a CMO uh, of a, a fast-growing tech company and have been in the CMO or CDO position for the last uh, about 12 or 13 years. So I made, I made the move um, uh, and, and have succeeded in, in that position as a marketer. I would say that had I listened, then who knows what I'd be doing. Marketing mm. would not be it. So what I tell people is that have a clear sense of who you are, be authentic. Um, sometimes, uh, you know, things don't quite work out with what you want to do because it may not be a good fit, but try to really listen and understand when someone tells you or tries to define and, and pigeonhole you into a particular spot. In some cases, it might be spot on. Mm. Uh, in other cases, you may feel that you disagree with that. How do you fix that? How, how yeah. do you change? How do you, how do you deal with the resistance that comes up? Exactly, and sometimes yeah. it means, like, like I said, you can you can um, get new skills, uh, get some training, take some classes. Sometimes you might have to leave that group or that company uh, and to, to try something different. But that, to me, was something that always hit home for me because I allowed. Mm -hmm. I, I came from a re very regimented um, org structure and culture growing up, right? Mm -hmm. Boss said something, you never questioned it. You did mm -hmm. it. Millennials are different. They want to be engaged. They want to be involved. They want to, mm -hmm. and, and, and quite honestly, they, they feel free to push back, which I mm -hmm. think is good. When I was growing up through the organization, boss said something, you did it. There wasn't a question about let's debate this. This is what I want you to do, or this is who you are. And so I'd say looking back, that was probably one area where I, I probably could have taken a different approach. Mm. Interesting, interesting. And now one of, one of the favorite chapters in the book, which was, um, you know, you talking about doors closing unexpectedly. We talked about this in the pre-chat, which was basically, you know, in the generation that we live in now, you know, there are more layoffs than there were 30 years ago because 30 years ago, people were expected to work in a company for life. Now, the business landscape has changed. You know what, you can't really be sure that the company you're working for will exist in two months, let alone two years. So things are moving so quickly that with AI, technology, and all that stuff, you find that you might just face yourself being redundant sooner rather than later. So talk a little bit more about, you know, when these doors close, um, how should we as young people in our careers or young entrepreneurs take them and what should we do to prepare ourselves so that we're kind of like anti-fragile and not really like completely thrown up when right. unexpected changes occur in our lives. Right. And, and, and so that chapter you mentioned is actually related to a couple other chapters in the book about, you know, sometimes you have to let go what you mm -hmm. can't control, you can't control. Mm -hmm. um, but change is going to happen. I, yeah. I think what I've heard the latest stat for young people 
Um, and I have three young kids. Well, one is out and working now and two, one's in college, one's about to go into college. And I told them that your generation, you might have 10 to 20 jobs, easily 10 to 20 jobs, where when I started my career, you basically had one job. Mm-hmm. And so we're in this transition now where it feels like a gig economy, where more and more people are picking up work in, t- in the form of either long project mm-hmm. formats, even if you're working as an employee of a company. So first, just acknowledge that change is going to happen. Mm-hmm. There's going to be um, many times when you're going to be either confronted with an org change, um, a round of layoffs, um, a change in responsibility, uh, a relocation. And, and that's just common. It's just that's how businesses operate and how businesses work. So I would say to people that, you know, just prepare for change. You may not know when it's going to happen or where it's going to happen. Be prepared. So a couple of things I'd recommend is one, know, you know, what you want to do. You know, have some idea about what's next. Uh, and when you're thinking about what's next, it's not necessarily the next job you have. It's the one after. Mm. So you take a job and you think about it a little bit more like a chess play. You know, you take job A because job A can lead to job B. Mm. And think of it about a, a career move as opposed to a job move. When you tend to move by job to job, it, it usually is based on either money or title. Mm. And after your first or second paycheck, that gets old, right? You get True. your paycheck, you get your title, and it's kind of like it's on a shelf. And, you know, and then you get the reality of, is this job really right for me? Mm-hmm. I'd flip it, make sure the job's right for you, and then let the money, let the position, the title all, all come. Because if you're passionate and like what you do, I think things will fall in place. The other thing is to constantly, constantly network. Mm-hmm. You know, LinkedIn obviously is one of the best things that were invented for people uh, to network. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being connected, um, staying in touch with folks, going to conferences if possible, or roundtables, those things just keep you fresh and keep you current mm-hmm. and it keeps your brain functioning outside of the, the confines of your company and your company culture. It just keeps you open-minded. Um, and then lastly, you, you need to have a financial plan. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people say you should have three months of, of salary uh, or I'm sorry, three months of living expenses tucked away in a bank account. Mm-hmm. I'd say absolutely not. In my case, I would say absolutely not not to follow that. I'd take six months to a year. Mm. What happens, three months comes and goes pretty quickly. By the time you start looking for a job, has the money run out? So what I would recommend is, is, is build up, and I know it's really hard when you have to pay off student loans or you have bills to pay, but you really need uh, a, basically a cash reserve of six months to a year because it's gonna take a while to find the right job. Sure. And the bills don't stop. You know, they don't care if you have a job or not. The mm-hmm. bill comes on the first of the month and you have to pay your bills. So if you're not well prepared financially, what could happen is you'll jump into the first job that comes along. Mm-hmm. Whether or not it's the right job, I think anyone can convince themselves, well, the job is pretty good. It's good pay. It's the, a good company. But you could have the wrong co- job in the right company and and really, you know, hit a wall. So if you have the luxury by planning this out, and you, again, planning is kind of hard when you have change, and change is really an unknown element. I'd recommend have your network in place, keep yourself current in terms of what you do and, and what's out there in the marketplace, and also make sure you have enough of a financial cushion to get you through a change. 
And like you also pointed out in the book, you should also um, build up your skill set and in-demand skills that are out there because you never know when you might actually need to use that to leverage yourself into a new position. So that's that's one other thing that I liked that you mentioned in the book. So now in in doing all this and in advising your younger self, there was another chapter you talked about dealing with detractors and detractors are always in every company. You always face conflicts, whether it's a boss that doesn't like you or a peer that doesn't like you. Um, there's always this interpersonal challenge that kind of makes it difficult on a personal level to do your job and to even try and advance to the next level. So what's, what's your advice when it comes to dealing with those conflicts and challenges that result from personal issues at work? Sure. So I, I do discuss the different types of detractors you have, you can have, because some of them are stealth, right? Mm-hmm, you don't mm-hmm. know that detractors where others are more obvious. Uh, so a starting place is your boss. I mean, if your boss supports you, that's a big plus, right? Mm-hmm. They make decisions about what you do. They make decisions about how much you're paid uh, and they can help build and extend your career um, beyond the current job. So when you do have detractors, you know, my approach is to, you know, try to figure out what is causing the, the friction mm-hmm. and it be removed. It might be that you're not communicating uh, to that person or, or you might be moving forward with a project or work that impacts them, but they're not engaged in that process and they don't have a voice. So it could run from anything from that to just a personality difference. You know, there are jobs I've seen people where you can't put two people in the room because their, their personalities are so different. So first thing I do is I took a lot of Myers-Briggs uh, evaluations. And so mm. Myers-Briggs puts people into categories like I'm an ENTJ, I'm extrovert, an extrovert. What I learned from that exercise is that there are people, as an example, there are people who think to speak and there are people who speak to think. Mm. And those two groups tend to bang heads because the styles are so different. Some, you know, the people who speak to think, you know, the other group looks at them as, oh, they're just chattering and going off. And, you know, what what are they trying to say? And then the other group thinks to speak. So on the other side, you have them, will they ever say anything? Will they ever contribute? You know, uh, do they have a voice in this? So understanding different personality types and how to operate with different people. Mm -hmm. And I've become a bit of a chameleon. Some people are very, um, very direct and, um, and very short in terms of how they deal with people. Uh, And I've had people who are very nurturing and engaging and and more patient. So one, you know, try to figure out what's causing the friction uh, and two, can you fix it? And, And fixing it might be, you know, trying to figure out the root cause of, of that, um, maybe changing some of your own behavior mm. and, in, and, and working with your boss to, to, unless it's your boss, working with your boss to help try to solve some of these. In some cases, they're not going to be resolved. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had instances where, you know, in the case I talked about earlier, I had a leader, there's nothing I could have done, mm. nothing I could have done to change that person's mind around, you know, about the people who work for her. And I was mm. one of uh, a number of people who worked for her. And basically it was, you know, it was, you know, you could just tell. It was just no matter what you did, it, it just wouldn't work. So at some point, you know, there might come a time when you just have to say, you know, this is it. I got to pack it in. And, you know, and you start looking for what's next. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. And as we start to wind down the show, Jeff, I guess this 
this last question on the book is more about, you know, dealing with the conflicts that arise as a result of trying to go up in your career, but also having a personal life and having a family and a home life. So, so I, I know you talked extensively in your book of what the measures you took to have a very good work-life balance, but could you share some of that with the audience here? Sure. And this is uh, can be a very tough uh, thing to do. Work-life balance is very tricky. And I do think that millennials are much more focused on having that. And, and they actually are choosing jobs, not on income. They're choosing jobs based on lifestyle, if you will. And it's mm. funny, I've made a couple of, um, I've had a couple of lunch and learns on the book. And one of the things I end the presentation with is that it's a picture of a tombstone. And on the tombstone, it says, I could have worked more hours. Mm. Um, no one no one hits, you know, the end of life and saying, you know, I regret not working more. Mm. They'll say, I regret not spending time with my family, missing out on events. So... It's easier said than done, but, you know, if you don't feel like you have good work-life balance and you can't get it, then, you know, simply just you might need to look elsewhere or or find a different company or a different group to work for. But I do think if you can be disciplined to get your job done and if you're delivering on what's expected of you, it makes it easier for you to, to get out of work at a reasonable hour and go to that uh, event or that celebration or even, you know, take a day off. And I, I've been lucky that for the most part, I've been able to have a, a, a relatively good work-life balance. Um, certainly weekends typically on my own. Um, but during the week, I worked in Manhattan most of my career. So you get up at 5.15, you're on a six o'clock train. Mm-hmm. You know, you're at your desk before eight and then you get home in the door at 7.30. So my work-life balance for many years was a bit skewed towards work and not as much on life. Um, and then once I had kids, it, it, it had a different meaning, this work concept of work-life balance. And so the weekends, I tried to make my own. And if I had to take off days, I would do it. But I had a couple of bosses. One, one boss I had, um, she's great. She's CEO of a company. I remember she told me uh, she knew that my daughter had a soccer match. And she said to me, Jeff, doesn't your daughter have a soccer match? And I said, yes. I said, well, what are you doing here? Go home and be with your daughter. So that speaks volumes about the type of leader she was and the culture she created. There are going to be other cultures where, you know, if you leave, if you leave work at a certain hour, the boss looks at their watch yeah. like, like you've done something wrong. Mm-hmm. But what I would say is work hard, get your job done. Um, and I, I do think that there's a shift in thinking about work-life balance. There's mm-hmm. much more openness around working from home, alternative work arrangements, yeah. um, you know, technology. You and I are in different parts of the country and we're talking to, on a video and audio and it, like we're in the same room. So technology has freed us up a bit more from having to be chained to our desk in an office building. And in fact, companies uh, are very open to people working from home. It's good for employee satisfaction mm-hmm. and it also saves them some money by reducing the amount of real estate footage they need. So, you know, I would say just try to stay focused on what's important in your life, you know, and if you had to look back from this point back over the last couple of years, do you feel you have that balance? Mm -hmm. And if you're on that treadmill running 24 seven, life goes by fast. True. It goes by really fast and you really need to look, you know, look deep inside you and, you know, is it worth what you're doing 
relative to what you could be doing or what you're missing out on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, it, it, and it's tough because, right. Because everyone needs a, a job and they need to, you know, earn a salary and mm -hmm. make money and, uh, work-life balance. And there's a couple of chapters in the book, uh, I think towards the end of the book where I talk about finding fun, you know, you yeah. should be able to have fun at work. I mean, the last chapter or something. Exactly. Yeah. And, and finding balance. So, you know, the fact that, you know, find, find an env work environment that's fun and you can laugh mm -hmm. something where you can get some work-life balance, um, and, 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 and give back, you know, always give back. Um, mm -hmm. and that's why I wrote the book is it's to give back to others and hopefully they'll find, that there's useful information that as they start and, and as they proceed along their journey, and, and you talked about this earlier, it's a very simple, easy to read common sense guide. I did not want this to be, you know, a book that was very dense and heavy in reading. And, you know, it it's one page could take 15 minutes, right? You could yeah. go through this book in pretty, pretty quick order. And the chapters aren't rolling into each other. So mm -hmm. you can just pull out a chapter, chapter or two. Chapter that you need to read, yeah. Exactly. And so, you know, that, that's my hope. And, um, but work-life balance is something people tend to forget. Uh, I think I, I did that for several years. And um, while I regret not being able to be around for my kids when they're young all the time, I did I think I did strike a balance, but not as good as I would have liked today. Mm. Now, is there one particular thing that you remember that you deeply, deeply regret as a result of, you know, trying to move up the ladder and work as hard and work as... Well, I, I think there are a couple of things, um, okay. you know, and, and I, I would say the first thing is um, I chose not to move um, like overseas. Okay. I wanted to do and for family reasons. Um, you know, my immediate family and, and my extended family, that was a tough choice. I would have absolutely gone overseas mm. and worked overseas if I could do it over again. Um, and the other thing is, you know, um, trying to rely on your leaders to help develop you and help push you. Mm -hmm. And I've had some great leaders, but there, there were a couple that probably held me back a little bit more. And I probably waited around too long in those situations to do something about it. So um, sometimes complacency is not good. Mm. But I think overall I've made, for the most part, the right, you're never gonna hit, uh, you know. 100%, yeah. 100%. But I think overall the job choices I had and, and the companies I worked for were for the most part um, pretty good. Mm. But there are probably a couple that, again, if I go back or if I had a crystal ball, I probably would have changed. Yeah. So now uh, I just wanted to do one more follow up, which is basically what do you think the benefits are of taking that international assignment and getting that international experience under your belt as a young professional? Absolutely. And, and actually, not only young professional, but anyone at any mm. point. In I, I think diversity of thought, um, okay. whether it be in the way people think culturally, whether they think from a business perspective, you know, and, and, you know, and I've been, you know, very lucky. I live in, I live in the New York area. So there's a lot of diversity of thinking and, mm. and, and people I work with, but I think overseas, and I did work overseas. I just didn't move overseas. Mm. But I did work in London and Geneva um, and had a team in one of my roles in Czechoslovakia at the time, the Czech Republic and, and France, but it, it opened your eyes to new ways of thinking, to new ways of, viewing how a business um, meets the needs of their clients. And mm -hmm. not every 
I can tell you, you know, if you think like an American in France, you're going to have a problem. If you think like a Frenchman in America, you're going to have a problem mm. because, you know, cultures are different. And so I think it opens you up uh, to a broader perspective, a broader worldview and makes you a stronger leader and makes you a stronger thinker. And I think makes you a stronger diplomat. And, mm. and part of being in a company um, is about being a statesman and diplomat. Uh, because as you mentioned earlier, you do get to situations that are very tough to deal with. Mm-hmm. And you have to pull out your diplomatic skills and try to fix things or try to resolve things. So I think from an international perspective, if people have the opportunity to go overseas, uh, from a business perspective, it's a home run. And also from a personal expect, uh, perspective, you know, to live in another country and experience a different culture. And um, it, it's just something you don't get to do. But yeah. in the end, when you come out the other side, I think it makes you a, a more diverse uh, person. I think it makes you more open and accepting of other views and perspectives. And I think it's personally rewarding uh, to, to be able to do that. So that's what I would recommend to folks. I wish I did it. Um, I did have, as I mentioned, I was able to travel a lot uh, of different places across the world in Asia and Europe. Uh, but living there is completely different. Yeah. Having that experience is different. So I would I would highly recommend that to anyone at any point in their career. Don't discount working overseas. Mm. And I guess your kids are probably going to be doing some study abroad in 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 their in their academic journey very soon. Ab- absolutely, I'm going to recommend to each one of them, uh, and every college now offers it. So. Yeah. Um, I want them to, to go overseas and, and see different cultures and, and experience different things. It, it, it's just, it, it's incredible. It just opens up your mind and, and just broadens your perspective. And you really don't get that as much if you visit as much as if you spend some Stay. time. Yeah. So I, I think it's, 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 it's a good thing if, if, if companies could require that as part of a rotation. Of course, there's expenses and paperwork and visas and, and all of that, but Absolutely, it's something I would recommend to anyone. Cool, cool. And with that said, Jeff, my friend, we've reached the end of the interview. It's really been a pleasure learning more about you and learning more about the wisdom you shared in the book. But before I let you go, tell us a little bit more about where people can connect with you if they want to reach out to you and learn more or even get a copy of the book. Sure. So you can link, link in with me. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn as Jeffrey Fleischman, uh, CMO of Altametric. So that's people can find me that way. Um, in terms of the book, as I mentioned, uh, www.advicetomyyoungestselfbook.com is my website for the book, but you can go to Amazon, Barnes and Noble or Hulu and buy the book there. Um, just make sure you're buying a book from me because it's much cheaper than you get, uh, these book scalpers on Amazon that want to charge three times the cost of the book. So, mm. um, but you can find me on Amazon, Barnes and Noble and Lulu. Cool. And I'll be sure to put that in the links when this goes live so that everybody can go to my website and download it. So with that said, thanks a lot for coming to do the interview, Jeff. I truly appreciate you taking the time to do this today. Thank you, Chi. It's been great. Nice to meet you. And uh, thanks for the time. Awesome. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into the show today. If you love what you hear on today's episode of the podcast, go to iTunes and leave a review and a comment. It helps other great listeners like yourself find the show. And of course, you can always find more episodes of the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast at www.odogwu.com.